Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Theology at the Pub Melbourne podcast. Theology at the Pub is a monthly event hosted in Melbourne. For more information and to find out about our upcoming events, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at theologyatthepub.com.au. Grab yourself a drink and enjoy the talk. So this month we have Father Marcus Dolden um, to talking for us on the, I guess the um, on suffering and what, what we can do about it, what it's about, value is what we can learn from it, and he's a assistant priest at Bacchus Marsh, and down here in Victoria, and yeah, I'll turn over to him. Thank you, Father. Thanks, Colin. Thank you, everyone. It's it's uh, good to be with you, and I suppose we should um, begin with prayer. So just wherever you are in your own place, um, follow along. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cool. So I suppose I I thought that suffering would be um, a topic worth covering, given that pretty much everywhere we look at the moment, (laughs) and, and everyone whom we talk to has got suffering in their life in some form. Um, and I suppose as a priest, I see the reality of human suffering, particularly at the, at the moment, almost every day in, in different forms. Um, but there's just, it's everywhere you look. And, and of course, so much of it is created by and compounded by, um, the lockdowns and, and the, the situation in which we're living, particularly in, in metropolitan Melbourne, those of you who are in Metro Melbourne. Um, and I suppose you know, I see many people who are who are suffering, and then who who find their suffering a really difficult experience to navigate, particularly in their relationship with God or in relation to God. And and so suffering can easily become this sort of anchor, if you like, a sort of spiritual anchor that really weighs us down in our spiritual life, uh, and and can really undermine uh, our faith, our hope. And our love, those three key um, virtues, the theological virtues that shape and, and give um, structure to our spiritual life. And although suffering is, is sort of ever present, and I think many people sort of find it hard to, to know what to do with their suffering, it is possible to, in a sense, suffer well. Um, and by, by suffering well, I suppose I mean to suffer in a way that doesn't disturb our interior peace uh, and in a way that rather than dragging us away from God actually helps us come closer to him. Uh, and this is what we see in the lives of the saints. Yeah? When we look at the lives of the saints, we see men and women who often experienced profound suffering incredible suffering of all varieties. And yet when you read their writings, and we'll look at some of the things that they've said about suffering uh, later, um, 
you see that they've got this remarkable ability to bear their suffering lightly. And this is not just some magic thing. They're not just saying nice things to sound like they've got it all together. They, the saints mean what they say. And when they say beautiful things about suffering, they've learned this method, I suppose, of, of suffering well. So we will begin, I suppose, with our own suffering. Um, as, as I begin, think, and, and no doubt each of us have suffering in our own lives, but think about how, how am I suffering? What is the suffering in my life? And as we delve into this, you know, we need to be um, gentle and careful because for some of us that suffering will be still very raw perhaps, um, or we might have avoided it for a long time um, or, or not, not really like looking at it. Um, and for, for some, it might be loss of income and all the difficulties that go with that. For some, it might be um, the sort of fairly ordinary sufferings that go along with family life, you know, having to get up at all hours of the night to look after little children um, and all those sorts of things. For others, you know, as a priest, similarly to the sort of sufferings that we experience in, in family life, there's that need to constantly um, die to self, that sacrificial act, yeah, to put the good of other people ahead of my own good. And there's a suffering involved in that. Um, so whatever, and we can also have more significant sufferings. So whatever suffering it is, keep that in mind as we move through. I'm going to draw on two, I suppose, two documents in particular. Firstly, um, Pope John Paul II's encyclical on human suffering called Salvafici Dolores, uh, which he wrote within the first five years of becoming Pope. So it was something sort of fairly pressing, a pressing concern that he wanted to deal with early on in his pontificate to help humanity understand how to navigate suffering. And then also Father Jacques Philippe's um, wonderful book, Interior Freedom. Uh, so we'll draw on both of those as we go through. But Pope John Paul II begins Salvafici Dolores by reflecting on the universal presence of suffering. It's everywhere you look. And he says there that suffering seems to be almost inseparable from man's earthly existence. You know, suffering is so part of human life that almost to be human means to suffer in some way. It's, it's an inescapable part of our life. We know that the human person is created body and soul, yeah? And the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the human person is created in the image of God and therefore is a being that is at once corporeal and spiritual. We have a body and we have a soul. And so the different types of suffering that we experience are experienced in usually either in the body or the soul, in those two key components of of the human person, the two constitutional elements of the person. And, and this is what Pope John Paul II says. He says that man suffers in different ways. And we can distinguish between physical suffering and moral suffering. Now, what he, be, what he means by moral suffering is spiritual suffering, suffering that's proper to the faculties of the soul. So there's a suffering that we experience in the body and also a suffering that we experience in the soul. Physical suffering, we know, is 
present when our body is hurting in some way. Yeah, you cut off my toe and I'm going <laughs> to not be very happy. It's going to hurt. The soul is that part of us which gives us the faculties of the intellect and the will, and also to a certain degree, the emotions. So when we speak of spiritual suffering or, or moral suffering, of course, there's sin, but it also is the whole dimension of the psyche, the mind, and the emotions. And these are some of the different types of suffering that we experience. Gaudiumet Spes, um, that great document from the Second Vatican Council, talks about how although man is made up of body and soul, we are, of course, a unity. And so what that means is that even if we experience bodily suffering or um, psychological suffering or stress or um, the suffering associated with sin, it makes itself felt in the other parts of the person. Yeah? And we see this with stress. Stress is a classic example. Stress is a sort of psychological suffering and an emotional suffering, but often it's experienced in the body. Yeah, we, we get tired, um, we get sad, we, 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 perhaps we don't eat or perhaps we overeat. So the different types of suffering we experience make themselves felt across the whole person. These forms of suffering we can classify either as voluntary sufferings or involuntary sufferings. And I think this is where um, you know, the, the most difficult sufferings are, are I think, involuntary sufferings. Yeah? Voluntary sufferings are those that are the consequence of our own free actions or that we freely choose, like a penance. Yeah? So I might choose to skip a meal and I feel hunger, and this is a form of suffering, but this is something that I've freely chosen. So there's a difficulty and a burden there, but it's not the same as a suffering that is inflicted upon me against my will. And those involuntary sufferings, and, and a lot of those involuntary sufferings are the sufferings that we're going through you know, in the lockdowns. These are things that we're not freely choosing. Um, these are often the hardest to bear. We're going to come back to and dwell more on those involuntary sufferings. Um, so now just a few little sayings from the saints on suffering that we'll come back to at the end, hopefully with a new depth of awareness and understanding about what they say. So again, some of the saints talk about suffering in a way that seems very um, just not real. <laughs> like these, either these people didn't suffer or they've got something wrong with them because it just doesn't seem like anybody can do this, yeah, can suffer with this spirit. St. Ignatius of Loyola says that if God sends you many sufferings, it's a sign that he has great plans for you and certainly wants to make you a saint. It doesn't feel like that when I suffer. <laughs> and St. Faustina, similarly, you know, she says suffering is a great grace and the greater the suffering, the purer the love. We know that St. Maximilian Kolbe was a saint who suffered you know, tremendously for God, gave his own life. Um, he said, for Jesus Christ, I am prepared to suffer still more. Basically, just bring it on. Like, I just, I can't get enough of this stuff. Um, and then Padre Pio, um, the Christian's motto is the cross. You will recognize God's love by this sign, by the sufferings he sends you. 
And I was like, yeah, that doesn't feel very loving to me, the sufferings that God sends me. We'll come back to these sayings at the end because I think once we delve a little bit more into how to approach suffering, the sort of Christian attitude to suffering and what the, how the saints approach suffering, we'll be able to understand a little bit more deeply um, how they can say what they say about suffering. And I suppose that the first principle when it comes to the way that saints suffer and experience suffering and the Christian approach to suffering is attitude. Yeah, when it comes to suffering, attitude is everything. Um, two, two great um, survivors of the Holocaust um, really drive this point home, that, that when it comes to suffering, attitude is what matters most. This is where the rubber hits the road. The first, of course, is Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And you're probably familiar with some of his sayings. Um, he, he lived through um, the Holocaust and, and was imprisoned in a concentration camp. And he got to the point of almost being on the verge of suicide, but realizing that even though he was exteriorly suffering and completely um, had lost all his freedom, there was still something within him that was capable of making something of this situation. And so he, he says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. In other words, to change our attitude. Yeah. He says elsewhere, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. So he, he, he discovered for himself that although he had no freedom, that he was suffering terribly, that he was you know, at risk of death every day, he had this incredible ability to change and transform his suffering by changing his attitude, something over which he had control. The other, the other Holocaust survivor is um, a lady called Etty Halason. Um, sorry, not a, she, she, she actually didn't survive the Holocaust, but her diaries were preserved for us. And um, Father Jacques Philippe references her in Interior Freedom. And Etty Halason was an interesting young woman. She, lived, she was a, a, a Jew by birth, so she was an ethnic Jew, but she didn't really have much faith. She lived in the Netherlands. And she lived a pretty loose sort of life. And then World War II broke out. And um, as World War II was sort of on the, becoming something, as it was about to break out, she was beginning to rediscover the truth that God exists and that he cares for her and that he's real. And so she had this, I suppose, religious conversion um, back to Judaism. Um, she discovered the reality of God and, and it sort of, she didn't, become a Catholic, but she was sort of on the verge. You could see how perhaps in time she might have gone towards Catholicism. But her diaries were discovered, and, and she, she was killed in uh, 1943, I think it was, and she was in her early 20s. And again, she had this great discovery that her attitude transformed her freedom. In her diaries, we read, they can harass us, she says. They can rob us of our material goods, of our freedom of movement, 
but we ourselves forfeit our greatest assets by our misguided attitude, by our feelings of being persecuted, humiliated, and oppressed, by our own hatred, by our swagger, which hides our fear. We may, of course, be sad and depressed by what has been done to us that is only human and understandable, but our greatest injury is one we inflict upon ourselves. And then she says something which is just, this is so incredible. She says the barbed wire of the concentration camp is a question of attitude. And there was a, she relates a story where there was a, a fellow, she overheard a conversation and there was this bloke within the concentration camp looking out and seeing civilized society going about its business on the other side. And this fellow was so sad and he felt so constrained and so, so depressed. And his neighbor said to him, but my friend, it is not we who are behind the barbed wire. It is them. And, and this incredible attitude um, that so many of those Holocaust victims practiced, this attitude, um, which we'll go more deeply into. And so basically, when it comes to suffering, there are two different attitudes that we can have, either resentment or acceptance. Yeah, resentment or acceptance. This is the two attitudinal options. And however we deal with our suffering, re almost always it's one of these two basic attitudes that we're practicing. Um, and so now we dig a little bit into the, the work of Father Jacques Philippe in Interior Freedom. So first, he talks about that, that attitude of resentment, which is so almost natural to us when we deal when we face suffering. Yeah, we our first instinct is to resent. And he, he says that present-day culture, through its advertising and, and the media, endlessly serenades us with its gospel, yeah, its message. Avoid suffering at all costs, seek pleasure alone. Yeah, so the the world constantly gives us this narrative, avoid suffering, resented. And, and we see that worked out in our culture. Um, things like euthanasia, um, abortion, um, so many of the, even, even the lockdowns to a, to a degree, the way we've dealt with COVID has in part been this great fear of suffering. And, and in particular, in relation to COVID, a fear of death. Um, but culturally, we're trained to resent suffering. Father Jacques Philippe goes on, he says that wanting to eliminate suffering at all costs can actually sometimes produce further sufferings that are even harder to bear. Our society's notion that all suffering is an evil to be avoided at any price can actually lead people to make themselves more unhappy. And you know, again, perhaps this is a little bit what's happening is out of our fear of suffering and our fear of death, we've imposed upon ourselves constraints that have actually made us more unhappy. Um, and we know this in our own lives, yeah? Avoidance so often makes us more miserable. And so he, he says, he goes on to say that the worst pain of suffering lies in rejecting 
suffering. Um, and I had a, I was <laughs> going to show some slides, and I had this great little slide of Yoda. I mean, I always, I always think of Yoda when I'm thinking of this sort of stuff. His line about fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah. Um, but there is another way. There is another way. And this is the way of the gospel, the way of Christ, the way of the saints. To suffer like a saint begins with acceptance, accepting our reality as it is, our life, the present moment, complete acceptance. There's always going to be sufferings which we don't have a remedy for. Yeah, there's, if we have a headache, he says, we, um, we, you know, we take a Panadol. Yeah? And, and so there are some sufferings that we should try to avoid or that we should try to remedy. Um, but there are many of those involuntary sufferings that we actually don't have a lot of control over externally. We can't take it away. Um, and so when we have the grace to accept these sufferings, they actually can become a lot less painful. How do we accept our reality? How do we accept a particular suffering or a particular moment? It involves the practice of the theological virtues. And this is how, how did the saints suffer? How do they accept their suffering? How do they approach it with that heroic Christian attitude? It's because they are infused with faith, hope, and love. And I know that I think it was a, a month or two ago, you might have had a, you had a presentation from Sister Mary Helen um, on, on the virtue of hope, um, which is good because hope is the critical virtue here. Um, and we'll touch on it, but we'll, we'll pat out the others as well. Um, Father Jacques Philippe goes on to say that for Christians, maturity means being able to live by faith, hope, and love. And these are, um, faith, hope, and love are, give us that perception and ability to act in the supernatural order. So it means that we can act for things that we don't see. Um, we can order and organize our life by that which is unseen, and yet which is more true even than that which we see. He says that Christians are first and foremost people who believe in God, hope for everything from him, and want to love him with all their hearts and to love their neighbours. The Christian attitude of acceptance to suffering is infused with faith, hope, and love. So firstly, faith. Yeah, now, when I'm experiencing suffering, the first thing that I generally do is turn on God. <laughs> it, it, suffering changes my attitude towards God. It changes my understanding of God. Um, it, all of a sudden, I start to see God as a punitive parent yeah, or, or perhaps an absent parent, yeah, someone who is um, not there or who is there just to make my life hard. And even if we, generally speaking, have a good view of God, in the moment of suffering, often this, this, this sort of 
doubt about who God is creeps in and, and we act out of it, yeah? So in, in the moment of suffering, the first question to face is, who is God? To remind ourselves in faith that God is not the absent parent or a punitive parent, but a loving and good father. And that has to be the assumption, the background upon which we build our response to suffering. Suffering also can change our view of ourself. Yeah? Um, so I experience suffering and all of a sudden I start to feel like I'm, I'm not worthy or I'm inadequate. Um, and, and so faith is also necessary to help us remember who we are, not just who God is. There's a great uh, text on, online that I often give to people who are going through suffering, and it's helped me a lot as well, that called a father's love letter. Um, perhaps you've come across it, and it's just this weaving together of different scripture verses into this beautiful letter from the father, God the father, to each soul that expresses his love for us, particularly in times of hardship. So if you just Google father's love letter, that'll come up with that um, it's a single-page PDF, um, and I just carry it in my bravery because um, if I'm in the confessional or um, perhaps going through something myself, I, I just it's easy to give to people or go back to. But it, it reinforces the good fatherhood of God, the truth about who God is. And, and this is what we so easily forget the moment that suffering hits us. If God is a good father, always a good father, even if we don't understand how his goodness is being manifested here, but if we know through faith that he is a good father, then we can trust him. Yeah? He is trustworthy. And this is where hope comes in. Hope is that conviction and confidence that God is that God's goodness reaches into my life it's not just up there but he actually gives me good things and is will continue to give me good the ultimate good that he gives being eternal life um, often in the moment of suffering we want to try and take control. And <laughs> I, I suppose I fit the stereotype here of the classic male response to problems and suffering where the moment there's a problem or a suffering, I want to try and fix it. Yeah? We, we want to try and take control. Um, and we just want to like, I don't want to deal with all the complicated mess of it. I just want to get rid of it. And really what we're doing there is, is acting out of a lack of hope sometimes, often, yeah? Because hope means that I base all of my certainty on God's will and God's ability. I am completely secure, even in the most insecure of circumstances, because I know that God has got it, that he is in control. And so when we, when we reach into these situations and we try to take control beyond what is um, necessary or, or in a way that's actually just sort of going to compound the situation and isn't really going to solve it, 
we're acting out of a lack of hope, um, which is really a form of despair, despair in God's will and his providence, that he is someone, a good trusted friend says to me, and I, I repeat it all the time, the throne of heaven is occupied. Yeah, the throne of heaven is occupied. God's got it. And we need this hope now more than ever. Yeah. Um, Jacques Philippe says that the only true security in this life lies in the certainty that God is faithful and never abandons us because his fatherly tenderness is irrevocable. This is hope, that confidence in God's fatherly goodness, which we know by faith, reaching into my life. He says that hope is a choice that often demands effort. Hope is a choice, yeah, it's not just a feeling. It's easy to worry, to get discouraged, to be afraid or to try to take control. Hope means trust. And and trust even if we can't see what the situation is about. We, We can't, you know, Christ was able to, embrace his cross and and suffering, he could see what God was doing. He knew the Father's plan, which is great for him. (laughs) Often in our sufferings, we don't know what the Father's plan is, but we do know that he is at work. And that, that is enough. Trust through hope. Um. Good. So now finally, um, coming sort of closer towards the end of the, of the talk, um, if we know through faith that if we have that certain conviction that God is a good father, who by hope we know that is always at work in my life, in every moment, even if I don't understand how he's at work, then I can love him at all times, in every situation. I can choose God. Pope Benedict XVI speaks of Christian love or charity as the fruit of an encounter with another person. Yeah? We, we meet the other and that encounter elicits love from us. And it's faith and hope that remind us that God is present and at work in, in every moment, even if we don't know how. He is there. And so in every moment, even even in moments of terrible suffering, God is there. And faith and hope um, reveal him to us. And and that enables us to meet him in love. And this is is really what the saints and um, Eddie Halasim and Viktor Frankl discovered and practiced. Jacques Philippe sums it up beautifully. He says, our freedom has this marvelous power to make what is taken from us or imposed upon us, yeah, involuntary sufferings, into something offered, into a sacrifice. Externally, there is no visible difference, but internally, everything is different. Our freedom can transform any event in our lives into an expression of love. Even when externally there is nothing to be done, we still have 
inner freedom to continue to love. We can always choose God. If I'm at home uh, and, and it's the middle of the night and my child is waking up, waking up again for, you know, who knows how many, how many times and, and I've got no sleep, I can still, and, and, and I can't, <laughs> I, I almost can't do anything to, you know, often it's so hard to, to, to settle the child again. Um, externally, I don't have a lot of options, but I do have that option of my inner attitude. I, I retain that ability even when my external circumstances are um, very limited. And this, this reaches its, the, the Christian approach and attitude towards suffering, that attitude of acceptance reaches its culmination and is exemplified in the Lord Jesus. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. How much suffering was imposed upon Christ. And it was suffering that was involuntary. Um, he was taken, he was imprisoned, um, he was scourged. But he knew that his loving father was a good God who was completely in control and who, who whose plan, whose good plan, was at work. And this enabled Jesus not merely to accept his sufferings or, or to bear it with resignation, but actually to consent to it. Um, not, not in a sort of masochistic way, um, but, but in a way of interior love. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. By that interior act, Jesus made a gift of himself in the midst of suffering. And that's something that is open to each one of us. Um, the saints, to, to summarize, the saints meet suffering with that attitude of acceptance as opposed to resentment and avoidance. In the moment of suffering, they persevere in the conviction that God is a good father through the virtue of faith. They trust that he is working for their good, even if they can't see his hand at work through the virtue of hope. And therefore, they are able to consent to the moment through love and make a gift of themselves. And this really makes sense of those phrases of the saints. Again, St. Ignatius of Loyola. If God sends you many sufferings, it is a sign that he has great plans for you. And wants to make you a saint. Because we can understand that in moments of suffering, which God allows, um, if we are able to get to the point where we can make that gift of ourselves and see him at work, even in suffering, we are very close to God. St. Faustina, suffering is a great grace. The greater the suffering, the purer the love. St. Therese says that I understood that to become a saint, one had to suffer much. And finally, again, Padre Pio, the Christian's motto is the cross. You will recognize God's love by this sign, the sufferings he sends you. 
This is not to make light of our sufferings, um, but to help chart the course to bearing our sufferings well um, in a way that enables us to cultivate and preserve interior peace and ultimately to draw closer to the Lord um, so that suffering is not, not that great anchor that, that weighs us down and keeps us focused on ourself and on our difficulties and hardships, but that enables us to strive for the Lord, to make a gift of ourselves through love. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, thank you very much for that, Father. That was a very good talk. Um, I know it certainly made me think and reflect quite a lot on uh, things that have been going on this past year and a bit. And yeah, um, but no, that was it's, very good. It's um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, you know, it's, I, obviously all of us are really doing it tough at the moment. Um, but. We, I suppose there's this great need for people of faith to live and witness to the truth of the faith with optimism and joy and a supernatural confidence, that, that conviction that God is in control um, sort of lights a fire in other people. When, they, when you come across someone who really is going through all the things that we're going through but still has this peace because they trust that the Lord is the master of history um, and that, you know, <laughs> political leaders come and go. Um, there's this, it, it's so attractive. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's something we, we, we can't get, get enough of. <laughs> uh, I can, uh, yeah, certainly agree with that. Um, now, we do have some questions for you, Father. Um, Fire away. People have been sent through questions and if anyone else still has any other questions, you can still send them through or comment them on the video for us. Um, so the first one we've got here is, <clears throat> sorry. Um, do you think suffering can have any sort of like greater purpose without faith? Like if you don't have like faith, faith in a higher power or God? Yeah. Um, I certainly think it's, Faith, faith can invest suffering a lot more, e uh, suffering with meaning a lot more easily than without it. Um, I think it's still possible. Um, you know, you, you look at, at families; people suffer all the time um, without necessarily practicing faith, hope, and charity, um, but in a way that has meaning. Um, parents make sacrifices and suffer for their children. That suffering has meaning because it's oriented it's still infused by a natural love yeah um often by, by by charity as well but wherever love is present i think the key is um the, the, the critical thing is love love has the ability to um it's that interior capacity to choose my attitude um and, and to orient the moment and, and the difficulty towards something other than me. Um, and I think that's something that people are capable of, even if they don't have faith, 
but being able to direct it towards God and, and that conviction that God is in control through hope, this makes it a lot easier, certainly. Okay. Um, now, the uh, next question is, uh, so who was the saint that you mentioned who was in the concentration camp? Ah, good. So not they, neither of them were saints. So firstly, there was Viktor Frankl, um, and he was a Jewish psychiatrist. Um, he survived the concentration camps um, and then wrote um, several books. And then there was another lady called Etty, E-T-T-Y, Hilesum, H-I-L-L-E-S-U-M. And her diaries were published in the 1980s, I think. So she, she was um, a Jewish young woman um, who had sort of, I suppose you had, had the beginnings of Christian faith, um, but certainly Jewish faith. And, um, yeah, her, her, her story is, is powerful. The, the transformation in her attitude um, is a testament to the, the, the power of God. <laughs> Um, but you can find her referenced in, in Jacques Philippe's book, Interior Freedom. If you look up Interior Freedom, um, you'll, you'll find the book. Okay. Thank you, Father. Um, this next one, I think, is uh, kind of related to that um, Holocaust uh, stories. Uh, can you have, like, or can you, do you think you can have a good attitude towards suffering like without that willing, willingness to be able to forgive the people who perpetrate it. Yeah. Um, oh, Think that was, two are, did like separate or? Yeah, cer- certainly. Um, we can accept the situation and a real, real, um, yeah, that that acceptance of of, of our circumstances even before we've begun to forgive the people who have inflicted it on us. Um, Of course, the Lord calls us to forgive everyone. And in this life, that often takes us a long time, particularly if the the suffering or the wounds they've inflicted on us are really um, deep. But, of course, forgiveness doesn't mean um, that we make ourselves a doormat, yeah, or that that we, that we allow people to continue to hurt us. Um, forgiveness means that we're basically able to see a fellow sinner. <laughs> it, it, it comes from this place of humility where I recognise that fundamentally I too sin. Um, there's this sort of... Um, forgiveness has this sort of compassion, I suppose, this mutual... Um, yeah, this, this identification of, of recognising myself in a capacity in myself, um, in, in the person who, who has hurt me, um, even if I would never do something so terrible or depraved, but still sin in me. Um, oh, I can't remember where I was. I was listening to a great talk that mentioned forgiveness. It might have been one of Matt Frad's podcasts on Pints with Aquinas or um, Bob Shook's on for greater glory or whichever one his podcast is. Um, but it was in relation to Sister Mary. Um, oh, my gosh, I forget her name. Um, she, she wrote a book called Loved As I Am. Um, awesome book. And, and she, 
experienced profound suffering in her life, this, this nun. Um, as you ask the next question, I'll look up her name, but um, she wrote this beautiful book and she talks about forgiveness and, and the nuances of forgiveness. Um, but I think certainly we can accept and find inner peace and, and keep close to God even as we're still working through the process of forgiveness. Um, and acceptance helps forgiveness, I think. <laughs> While we're still resisting and resenting what's happening to us, it, it, it's going to be hard for us to get to the point of forgiveness. It's sort of the first step almost to accept the reality. Um, and I'm just sort of thinking through times in my own life, and, and really it's been, it's been the acceptance that has paved the way for being able to forgive, I suppose. Oh, thank you, Father. That's yeah, very inter interesting. I had to think a lot more about that, I think. <laughs> um, uh, this one actually uh, quite, leads quite well into it, the next question. Uh, what strategies um, do you employ if you're struggling to accept suffering? Yeah, I think it's the most important, well, to, I suppose two. Let's say two. There are two critical things I've found for myself. Prayer and time. Um, I, I, I think I've got to the point where, I mean, I hate suffering like everyone. I, I, I love comfort. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I love, I love creature comforts. I mean, I, I, <laughs> when I was in the seminary, we had to travel to, um, I got to, tra not had to, I got to travel to Israel and we stayed, myself and this other seminarian stayed in a, um, um, oh, what are they called? The, uh, a hostel. And for me, this was a terrible suffering. <laughs> this was because I just, I love my own space, being able to get away. Um, I think the, the critical thing is prayer, because in prayer, prayer stimulates faith, hope, and love. Prayer reminds us when, when we go to pray, by its prayer is an act of faith simply <laughs> on its own. You know, when I go and pray, if, especially if I go before the Blessed Sacrament, um, simply being there is an act of faith. I am believing and accepting what Christ has told me is true, that He is present there, and that I can commune with Him and relate to Him. So every act of prayer is an act of faith. And that then cultivates hope, trust that God is in control. Because as we, as we sit in prayer, it gets uncomfortable often um, because we come up against our own inadequacies and our own, um, we, we start to see ourselves and how, how much we want to try and take control of situations. And, and it also, of course, is, is the forum for love. So prayer is critical not just saying prayers, but being with God and, and time. You know, it's only, I, I suppose I've tried to make a really exerted effort over the last couple of years to, I suppose, improve my attitude towards suffering. Um, I suppose in a sense, I, I can see that it's quite conceivable that living in the culture that we do, in the society that we do, um, it, it's quite conceivable that I will 
have to suffer for the faith at some point. I don't know what that will look like, but I mean, we already suffer for the faith. And I want to be able to put God first and, 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 and consent to the suffering um, so that I can put the Lord first. And, and it's, only, it's taken time, a lot of time. Each, each experience of suffering to um, try to actively apply faith, hope, and charity to, to remember. And I, I suppose really simply, in each moment of suffering, I try to remember God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. This is like my, my go-to line. God is in control. One, one other sort of just quick suggestion, an examination of conscience um, at the end of each day. At the end of each day, as part of your daily examination of conscience, where has there been suffering in my day today? How did I approach this suffering? Did I, did I, doubt, God was, did I doubt God's goodness? Did I um, despair of his providence, yeah, that he is in control, that he is at work? Um, and and did I did I turn in on myself, yeah, rather than performing acts of, of love and charity? Yeah, but time, prayer, examination of conscience. Um, the, I suppose these would be the, some key practices to help cultivate that attitude, Christian attitude towards suffering. Okay, thank you, Father. Um, another question here. Sorry, just trying to read it out. Um, would you agree that trying to find reasons for um, suffering or that of other people and rationalising it away as everything happens for a reason, um, like doesn't solve anything or like, you know, does it make things worse? Do you, like you're just alienating people or giving mm. yourself a bad attitude? Um, the, the beauty of our faith is that ultimately we know there, are re- there is a reason for all suffering, which is sin. Um, and, and, if you want to go more deeply into trying to understand that, I'd encourage you to read um, John Paul II's Salvafici Dolores because he goes deeply into that. But on a human lived experience, on the level of human experience in our lived daily lives, it, and particularly I think this applies to like natural disasters, right? Often we can't see a reason why. Um, and... Sometimes on a human level, there isn't a reason. Um, Suffering just is a fact and it's just happening to me. Um, But this is where where faith, hope and charity are so powerful is because even, even if I can't see a reason, even if I can't see why um, or, or what it's for, I still know that God is at work. Um, and if God is at work, it will be okay. This is, this is what hope does for us. Um, it hurts, you know, and it's, it might take our whole, it might stay with us our whole life or take a long time to, to heal particular sufferings. But if God is at work and we trust that he is at work, it will be okay. Um, and I think that's, in a sense, if we can find a reason, good. If we can find a why for our suffering, good. 
but sometimes we can't. Um, but hope doesn't necessarily need to find a reason why. It just knows that God is involved, in control, working, and that's enough. Okay, thank you, Father. Um, kind of a bit of a question sort of for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I was brought, um, brought up Catholic, and uh, my mum um, when told me something when I was a lo- fairly young, um, that always kind of stood out for me, um, the idea that she kind of mentioned, you know, sometimes you're going to be suffering, you're not going to like it, you're not going to know why. And but she went and said, like, the good way to deal with it um, that she tried to um, teach me was the idea of, like, you know, Jesus came and he suffered and died for us. The idea that, you know, he was purely innocent. There was, like, well, like, you know, there was no sin there as the cause for his suffering um, except for our sin. And so she went and said, like, you know, if you ever struggle in all that, like, just remember that, you know, Jesus came and, like, suffered for us. So, you know, God does understand what you're going through and, like, did you ever find that helped you as well? Like that idea that, you know, that we do have a God who understands what you go through? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think sometimes that does help. Um, there'll be times where it, 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 it really soothes our heart to realise that God united himself to humanity, to a specific human nature, and endured not every form of suffering, but acute suffering <laughs> to the point of losing his life. Um, and that therefore he knows, he, he has experienced all those different forms of suffering we mentioned at the beginning, bodily suffering, um, emotional suffering, um, psychological suffering. And although he has an experience that, the suffering that I suppose is, you know, when you, when you sin, there's a certain suffering attached with sin, the suffering of being separated from God, which is the suffering that the souls in hell endure. Um, he hasn't experienced that suffering, but he has experienced its effects. Um, so for some people, knowing that God has experienced the full breadth of human suffering will be very consoling. But sometimes it won't necessarily be because it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily take away my suffering. Um, if it helps me accept my suffering, good. Yeah. And I suppose this is what it should do. Remembering that Christ himself suffered should, should help cultivate that attitude of acceptance for us. Um, but, but it's not going to necessarily take our suffering away. <laughs> um, it, it helps. It helps us accept. Yeah. Um, there's another another thing that you know Catholics say: offer it up. Yeah, offer it up. Offer it up. Offer it up. Um, <laughs> which is sort of what we've been talking about. This is the whole thing. Yeah, making a making consenting to and making a gift of that that inner attitude. If you want to understand what offering it up means in in really succinct form, the Thomistic Institute have done this amazing. They do these amazing little videos. If you go to YouTube and look up Thomistic Institute as in St. Thomas, Thomistic Institute, offer it up. It, it was the best explanation I've ever had. I'm not going to even try because I won't do it justice, but I recommend looking it up. It's about three or four minutes. Um, Thomistic Institute, offer it up. They, they give a beautiful explanation. All right. 
Thank you, Father. Um, I might see about like trying to hunt that down and posting it for the followers of TAP so they can get an easy access to it. Um, but yeah, that was the last of our questions. And so just on Beautiful. like for myself and behalf of the TAP committee and everyone else who was watching, I'd like to give you a really big thanks for like your time in preparing all this and like giving us your time tonight. Uh, normally now would be the time we'll get you to like take a big bow, maybe rouse a rabble up into a big round of applause, <laughs> you know, get, get the pub cheering, but unfortunately that's going to might need to wait till next year. But, but yeah, th yeah, thank you very much for having me. And um, yeah, I know, I suppose I, I share these um, reflections fro from the perspective of someone who's trying to put them into practice. Um, and if they help you, good if not leave them be <laughs> um but but know that i for one as one of the priests one of your priests um no doubt father nathan and and, and many of our priests um are really um suffering with you at the moment um and and if you need if you need us um reach out because we we are here even if even if we're very limited in our abilities to, to, to contact and, and, and be in touch with people, um, we're here to be your spiritual fathers. Um, so, yeah, thank, thank you for your faith and, and your participation as well this evening. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Father. And, yeah, you can be short of our prayers as um, you continue to help us with our struggles. So, yeah, thank you again and um, thank you all who are watching. Uh, if you've got any feedback or comments, uh, you feel free to even message them or like leave them under the video. Uh, otherwise, uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight and God bless you all. Maybe, Father, if you'd like to give us a closing prayer. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully we'll see you back in the pub soon, eh? <laughs> um, good. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon these your people gathered in faith hope and charity this evening you alone see what they are going through you see the different experiences of suffering on their hearts help them to embrace the attitude of your son and the attitude of the saints that attitude of acceptance so that they can believe at all times that you are the good god that they can trust through hope that you are still at work in their life and that they can choose you in every moment through love. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Theology at the Pub. If you enjoyed the talk, let us know. Follow the podcast, leave a review and share with a friend. For our upcoming events, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at theologyatthepub.com.au. Until next time, God bless.